God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Betty, it's good to have you back. Wonderful. You know, today there's a lot of talk, and I'm going to be kind of low-key because I have a lot to say. Uh, today there's a lot of talk about grace. It's all over. And it's, the, the word that is being spoken is the truth. There's grace from God. But because of our human nature, there's the tendency to take it to the extreme where you no longer understand what grace is. Grace has a power to change a person's life. It changed my life. In fact, people told me, you cannot be a Christian. Every other person can, but you, you're too wicked. I mean, they told me to my face. And I thought, am I that bad? (laughs) But God transformed my life. The grace of God can change a person's life. It doesn't matter what addiction you have in your life. It doesn't matter how bad things have been in your life or how sinful you think you are or how oppressed, sick. No matter what's going on in your life, the grace of God, when it appears, it changes instantly. Nobody will be able to see it, but God does it. The grace of God is so powerful. Grace is not just unmerited favor from God. Yes, it is. But it's the power of God inside your life to transform you totally and transform your situation as well. To change you into a new person. That's what happened to Paul. He was transformed. Paul was totally transformed. When the grace of God appears to a man and reveals itself, Your life is transformed. And so, when your life is not transformed, and we cannot see the fruit, maybe grace has not appeared to you. Grace is willing to appear to everyone who wants it to appear. The question is, are you willing to let grace do its work in your life? Jesus paid the price for it. So everyone can go to heaven. You can decide today to go to heaven and you'll make it. If you really decide today, I want to go to heaven. I'm not, this is not a game for me. This is serious. I want to go to heaven. God will give you the power, I mean, the same power to do what's right, preserve your life till you get there. That's if you really want it. God will do that. So the Bible tells us in Titus, Chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation. The grace of God that brings salvation. In other words, the grace of God that delivers people from all kinds of bondage, oppression, depression, sickness, disease, whatever it is, sin, addictions. The grace of God that brings salvation, has appeared to all men. 
He's appeared to all men. So grace is a teacher. He says, teaching us that denying ungodliness. First of all, you have to deny it. He's telling you, deny this thing. This addiction you have in your life, say it's unacceptable to you. That's all he's asking. Grace is teaching you, just agree with God, this is unacceptable. I don't want it. Once you do that, he gives you the power. He's teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. There's all kinds of lusts in the world out there. People are doing crazy stuff these days and they think it's okay. It's frightening what's happening in our country. The guys out there using drugs and buying drugs and selling drugs and then he's trying to kill somebody and while he's trying to do that the cops come along and they kill him. Forgive me. If you don't want to, we don't want to hear something like that. And then you go to his funeral and the preacher is saying, he's in peace now resting with Jesus. What Jesus are you talking about? He tried to kill somebody. He, carry, he goes around stealing and using dope and he died trying to kill somebody and he's with Jesus. Are you kidding what Jesus are you talking about? That's what's happening today. They all come to the funeral and then everybody stands up and talks about how good he was. He wasn't good. We all know that. He was a rascal. We all know that. Why are you lying to yourself? And but that's what people are saying. So people are confused. They think just because I go to church and, and, and I sing in the choir, that's my ticket to heaven. It doesn't work that way. He caused the life of the Son of God. He caused the life of the Son of God. He doesn't work that way. So grace is teaching us that we must deny ungodliness. He's frightening what's happening today in the world. I'm even among Christians. There are Christians that are living together. They're not married. And they're having sex. Hello? And they're saying we're in love. Well, if you're in love, why don't you get married? Get married so we really know you're in love. How can that be right before God? And, and, and then they say, well, we are Christians. We go to church. It's a frightening world that we are living today. They don't know conscience. They don't even feel that they're doing anything wrong. And they go to church and praise the Lord. And they're wondering what God, God says every time you, you read in Isaiah chapter 1, when you lift your hand, God looks away. Read it, Isaiah chapter 1. He doesn't want to see those hands. He says those hands are filthy. And then the pastor is telling them, you're okay. Why don't, when are you all going to get married? Send you out of the church. If you're not going to do what's right, I prefer you don't come to church. We've got to do what's right before God. Denying ungodliness and worldly loss. Worldly loss. He says we should live soberly. Soberly and righteously. Hey, you can't change the word of God. 
we must live righteously before the world. By their fruit you shall know them. You're cursing like crazy, using crazy words, all the four-letter words, and you're going to heaven? That doesn't work. I mean, whenever you say this, they say, well, you are preaching the law. Well, let me tell you. Read Romans chapter 3, the very last verse. He says, is it because of faith that we do away with the law? He says, no. Rather, we establish the law by the way we live. We let the people know that the law of God is okay. We establish the law by the way we live. You can't just live a crazy life and expect to go to heaven. It doesn't work that way. And I'm going to share that with us. I know maybe I've been talking to the choir, but maybe there's somebody here today who has been deceived. Notice, the devil is a liar. He's been lying from the Garden of Eden. He's been lying, telling you he's okay. Keep it up. People are not afraid. Jesus, let me tell you, based on what's happening today, I won't be shocked if Jesus comes back today. I won't. The gospel is all over the internet. People can watch it. Muslim people can watch Jesus now. They are logging into logging into internet and watching Christians and preachers all over the world. It's all over. The world is hearing. The gospel is being preached everywhere today. So it's time. When you see these things happening, when the government of different countries start saying homosexuality is okay, we are very close to the end. Jesus can come at any time. Jesus said two will be, walk, be in the field. One is taken and the other one is wondering what just happened. Two will be in their room, maybe in bed. One's gone and, and they say, what happened? Look all over the house. He's not there. Jesus can come at any time. We have to be serious with the God that we are serving. We really have to. I'm very worried for the church. I'm very worried for people. You see, people don't understand. When you go to hell, you'll never come out of that place. That's eternal. That's eternal. If God would die on the cross, so you won't have to go there, and you decide that's the place you want to go, you don't have good sense. I'm telling you, you don't have good sense. You shouldn't decide to go there. You should run from that place. And Jesus described that place, how bad it is. You know why? There was no preacher in the Old Testament that talked about hell. They didn't know what it looked like. But Jesus described it. He told us that there were worms in there. Hot, but worms. Eating people. But you never die. You feel the pain and you're crying for water. A thousand years goes by and there's still no water for your tongue. I don't want to go there. That's why I cried out to Jesus, please, God the Father, Son, I want salvation right now. I'm not going there. It's true. If it's not true, then Jesus lied to us. We've got to make a commitment to God and a serious commitment, young and old. Make a commitment you're going to serve God. I would. That some, I wish somebody told me about the gospel when I was a kid. So I can follow him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, 14, it says, Pursue peace with all men 
and holiness, without which no one will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you will see God. Please, and I'm not rebuking, I'm telling you the truth. We've got to be serious about this. We got to get our hearts, our acts together and know that there is a true God. This is serious business. It's a life business. It's an eternal business. We got to be serious with God and be about our Father's business. It's important. He says, without holiness, no one will see God. No one means no one. That means the one that's in church and the one that's in the club. Don't matter. If you, are, if you are not walking in holiness, you are not going to see God, period. God is not going to deny himself just for your sake. It's not going to happen. We must fear. We must fear because the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. That's what it says. We don't hear that anymore. But our God is a consuming fire. You don't want to be on the other side with him. I mean, some preacher said, when God's against you, he'll fight you everywhere you go. If you die, he'll raise you up to continue the fight. That's how he's going to raise everybody up for judgment. Fight with you before you die, and after you're dead, he brings you back up for the greater fight. We've got to be serious about this. Some people ask Jesus this question, and this is very serious. And for you and I, this, these were the things that used to really frighten me when I was a new Christian. It still frightens me till today. I still ask God, please, let me stay in the straight and narrow, please. I still pray about that till today. Because just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean everything is guaranteed. It's not. It's a question of obedience. Look, in Luke chapter 11, I mean chapter 13, verse 23 to, to uh, 34, uh, 24. He says, Then one said to him, Lord, they were talking to Jesus, Are there few who are saved? That's a serious question. <laughs> we want to know, Are there few who are saved? This is what Jesus says. And please take this to heart. And he's not lying. He's telling us the truth. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. He's telling them. Meaning that gate is narrow. Do everything in your power to make sure you go through that narrow gate. And this is the Lord's word. He cannot lie. Strive, he said. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, can you hear the word? Can you say the word many? Oh, yes. I mean, not many in clubs. Not many in parties. We are talking about many inside the church. For many, he says, I'm telling you to strive because many, I say to you, that's God speaking now, many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. They want to get in, but they are not going to get in. So, again, this is serious business. This is serious business. I see Christians just doing everything, whatever they like. They go to church when they feel like going to church. So Jesus goes to die for us when he feels like it. The day he doesn't feel like Think about it. God feels, when he feels like answering your prayers, he doesn't want to hear it, then he answers it. 
The other day he's feeling bad, so nobody gets prayer answered. Is that the way to live for God? But we have to be serious about this thing. That's how Paul, Paul said, I am ready to lay my life down. If you're not ready to lay, a, you know, to lay down a little inconvenience to serve God, how are you going to be able to lay your life down when they're threatening to kill you for your faith? How are you going to be able to do that? There are people around the world. I, I, Amy showed me some pictures from people that have been mutilated. And they had smiles in their face for their faith. They're still in church worshiping God. Yet nobody's even threatening you. You can't even wake up out of bed in the morning. Not you guys. Those, those, the rest of them are there. To go to church. Because we are so concerned about what's, what's going on with us. I know that scripture. Matthew 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Who are they talking to? They're talking to Jesus. Can you hear them? Yes. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So there is the will of God, of God for your life. And Jesus continued, I didn't put that in there, but he continued, he says, the day, in that day, in, at that day, that particular day of judgment, many will come to me and they will say, look, we prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. We did so many wonderful works. God, by, the, by his grace, God, God used me in miracles. I've seen it. I've seen blind eyes. I've seen deaf ears. My mind's not in it. That's him doing it. I want to go in. I'm not going to tell him I did miracles. The miracles are for him and for them. I'm just helping them to connect with him. That's not my ticket to get into heaven. But can you imagine those who don't do anything at all, lazy, living for themselves. These other guys have done miracles and they can't get in. You did nothing and you want to get in. How can that compute? I mean, think about it. We really need to be serious. I'm sorry, this is a hard message, but it's the truth. We need to wake up. It's a life, we have to put our lives out there for him. Paul, after he got converted, he didn't live one day again for his life. He lived for the gospel. Peter, they, they were ready to lay their lives down. I wonder what's happening to us. It's like, if I'm an American, I have a ticket to go to heaven. All Americans are going to heaven. Oh yeah. That's why the preacher says he was a good man. He is now resting in the bosom of the father. What bosom are you talking about? He was a mother. He beat his wife. And traumatized his kids. <laughs> and he's in the arms of Jesus. You're kidding me. In those days, I used to imagine, you know, even committing fornication. What, what if, if while you are doing it, Jesus comes? He's still going to take you to heaven? I was scared a minute. I'm not going there. Two would be in the bed, one gone, and the other one left. And I'm left. That's never going to happen. I got delivered real fast. 
Because I couldn't tell when he'll come back. But people don't fear anymore. They think they have time. But the Bible says, the time and the hour, you don't know. And he's telling us to warn us, because if it catches you unaware, it were better if you were not born at all. If you didn't exist at all, you'll be better. But now you are alive, and you will be alive forever. It's never going to change. That's why Jesus came. Why, do, why, why else would God die? God. Why else would God himself put himself and allow human beings to slap God? Jesus is God. Think about it. Allow human beings to slap him and nail him to a cross so I won't have to go to hell? And I think it's okay to be cool and do crazy stuff? I think we are getting this grace preaching backward. This is not the way it's supposed to be. He says to live soberly and righteously in this present world. If you're not doing that today, call out to God. My wife and I, I've never planned to be a preacher. It was the call of God that made me what I am today. As a Christian, I lived as a Christian. I still live as a Christian. And my brand, my, the brothers here, I'm with them. We are together. We are running. And I'm not, I know I don't have any better handle of this thing because I'm a pastor. I've got to live my life for God as well. So I pray. My wife will tell you, every morning I'm all praying. Hello. <laughs> for the salvation of my soul, my children, my wife, and you come last. That's good, man. <laughs> But I'm thinking about you, and I pray for you too. But it's serious. It's very serious. I pray that God will open your eyes. The world is being deceived. Everyone is not going to heaven. Everyone is not going to heaven. Just doing a good work. I have a track I wrote out there. Good people don't go to heaven. Because you only saved people go to heaven. How many of you have lied before? How many? Well, if your hand is down, you're a real liar then. (laughs) I know who the real liar is. (laughs) How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? Just one. The Bible says all liars have their place in hell. So how can a good person, a good liar go to hell? I mean, to heaven? It's not possible. We need to be saved. To be forgiven. To ask God for forgiveness. And let the grace of God transform our lives. And we yield to the grace of God. And it empowers us to live for God. Not for ourselves. But for God. No man, Paul says, live unto himself. We live for him. Everything that we do in word and in deed must be done to his glory. If you're doing something and you're not doing it in his name, even if it's to bring money to your family, if it's not in his name, it's not accepted. 
We need to be very careful. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10, it says, do, not, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't you know that? Don't be deceived. Don't let anyone deceive you. Neither fornicators. That means you are having sex, illicit sex. You are not married to this person. I don't care if you've been living together for days. God didn't endorse that. If you want to get married, get married. It's better to marry than to burn. Stop it. Because that thing is going to kill you, kill your heart, and harden your heart, and you may never find heaven again. Fornicators. Idolaters. I know in America we don't worship idols. Back in Nigeria, the, uh, our country, we worship idols. We kneel before this uh, crazy carved uh, thing looks like the face of a man with a bent nose and they make us pray to that but uh, but here people have idols i think the word that came from our sister today uh, football you know you can yell real loud with football but in church you are very holy (laughs) when i see you watching your football game i'm wondering (laughs) is this the same person that i see in church no excitement for god but for football, oh wow. Basketball, you better stay away from some of them when they're playing soccer because while they're sitting, they're still kicking the ball. If you stay close, they'll kick you while they're watching. They get so excited. But why can't you have the same excitement for God? Why when it comes to God, it's hard to go. It's hard to take the time out. But when it comes to watching, you put everything aside just to watch this game. doesn't make sense. We have to rethink these things. That's idolatry. Adulterers. No homosexuals. No sodomites. You're wondering, homosexuals, sodomites, what's the meaning of that? Homosexuals, that's, that's lesbians. Sodomites, he's talking about the men, the gay people. He talks about those. No thieves. No co- uh, the coveters. No drunkards. No revilers. No extortioners. People who take advantage of people. Even Christians do that. They will lie. Just to make money. And continue to lie. They lie and they rejoice because their lie worked. He got it. You lie and I, was, I got him. I got him good. He believed it. He bought into it. You can't rejoice over something like that. That's evil. And if you continue to do that, you had in your heart. And God will be yelling and screaming at you. You'll never hear it. Those things are wrong. Those things are wrong. He says, I want you to know those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And in, in, in uh, I believe uh, this scripture here, 1 Corinthians 5.11, he says, if you know somebody who, is say, who calls himself a brother or a Christian, and he has all of these things. He's a fornicator. In other words, he has a girlfriend and he's sleeping with his girlfriend. That's a fornicator. He's married, an adulterer. He's having an affair. He's a drunkard. The Bible says, don't keep company with them. He says, I won't read that scripture. 
It says don't even eat with them. Don't eat with them. Don't eat with a person like that. If I do that, you think you're better than I am? Well, you are fornicating. That's why I won't eat with you. The Bible is clear. Because God wants us to be holy, to separate ourselves from these things. So if you do these things, the Bible says don't keep company with those kind of people. Why? They will influence you. When the blind lead the blind, both of them will fall into a dish. It's better for you to enter into heaven with one hand than with all your body thrown into hell. Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Please don't do that. We don't want only one-eyed people coming to church every Sunday morning. Because you say, Pastor, I just plucked out my eye. I will lay hands and pray for you. No. But what Jesus was conveying to us is, this matter is serious. Instead of holding on to this thing, cut it out. It's going to be painful. Cut it out. He's my brother. He supplies me with everything I need. You're gone. I don't need your money. I don't need your help. If you're going to cause me to do this thing that I shouldn't do because of my God, I'm going to cut you up. If God doesn't take care of me, I'm ready to die. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So it's a very serious matter. God's serious about sin. Romans 6 for 14, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. So we don't continue to do what's wrong and believe God's going to be okay with it. God's never okay with sin. The best thing is to repent and say, God, please help me. And not rationalize and say, well, everybody's doing it. No, everybody's not doing it. You're doing it. There are people who are keeping themselves pure. There are people who are still afraid of God. They are still crying out to God. You are being deceived to think everybody's doing it. Everybody's not doing it. That's the truth. You can read it in the media and they seem like everybody's sinning. No, every, there are, God still has his few chosen. That's why, few chosen one, that's why the way to, the, to heaven, that's why he's narrow. And I always pray to God, please, I want that narrow path. Whether I'm criticized, cursed at, I don't care. Young people in school, there's peer pressure. They're wanting you to, because everybody's doing it. You have to let them know, this is not for me. I'm not going to do that. The Bible tells us that difficult times are here. Tough times. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Covenant breakers, disobedient to parents. They won't listen to their parents. Mama says this, that they want to do the other thing. See, that's the sign of the end of, the time, of, of, of our time. Everything is coming close to an end. We need to be very concerned about that. We need to be very concerned about that. You cannot practice sin and go to heaven. Everybody sins sometimes. But the practice is different. If you are practicing sin, meaning you are living in sin, doing what is wrong before God, today, God is my witness. I'm asking you to turn your back on it and ask God for forgiveness. 
if you are holding serious unforgiveness against somebody, God wants you to forgive them today. You may not like it, and your body won't like it, but you need to forgive them. You need to let them go. Because God says you will not be forgiven until you offer forgiveness. If you refuse and you hold it, you are practicing unforgiveness. And no one who unforgiveness is sin before God. And no one who practices sin will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you do, whatever you're doing, even if it comes to holding back what belongs to God, if you're not doing what God said to do, you're sinning against him. He's not going to kill you right there. His mercy is there for you. But you need to turn your back and begin to go back to him so that he'll forgive you and receive you. Let me read this scripture to you. First John chapter 3. It says, little children, let no one deceive you. So don't be deceived. We're all little children before God. God doesn't have grandchildren. We're all children to him. And we're all little before him. Before him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Practicing righteousness is righteous. Practice of righteousness, prayer, church attendance, witnessing, sharing, giving. All of these things, that's practice. You let one go, you are not practicing. We've got to practice because the Holy Spirit is in us and wants us to practice what's right. Practicing righteousness. Notice the term that is used. Practice. This, a doctor goes to his office every day for work day, right? He's practicing medicine, right? If he sits at home and he's a doctor, one day I'm going to say, you never go to work. How can I know if you're a doctor? You practice by showing by what you do that you are practicing. If you practice righteousness, you are righteous. Just as he is righteous. He who sins or he who practices sin is of the devil. You don't belong to God if you continue to do what's wrong. God is not your father. That's what John is telling us by the Holy Spirit. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So if you continue to do it, then we have to question whether Jesus is destroyed that work in your life. That's the question here. Because God's Son was manifested on our earth to destroy that thing that you're doing. And if you constantly practice it, it's a clear sign God's Son has not touched your life. And if he hasn't touched your life, you have no part in him. You can't stay with him in heaven. We don't practice sin. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Sin is the work of the devil. That's the primary work. Sickness is also his work. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. In other words, if you have been born again, born of the Spirit, you don't practice sin. It says, for his seed remains in him. In other words, you have his DNA. His seed, that's talking about DNA. God's DNA is in you. 
remains in him and he cannot sin. You cannot practice sin when you really truly know God. It's hard. You won't sleep very well when you're doing it. Your conscience is constantly banging and coming at you and reminding you Jesus may come right now. And you're scared. You call for forgiveness until God brings deliverance. But when your heart is hardened and it doesn't bother you and you're doing the same thing over and over again, uh, you are still just like Judas. Jesus warned Judas many times. One of you is the devil. And Judas knew he was talking about him. He didn't listen. He continued to do what he was doing until he became the son of perdition. We have to recognize that. His seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. In other words, you can tell the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil. We only got two families on the earth. Regardless of the race. Two races on the earth as far as God. You see, God is colorblind. He only sees two races. The children of the devil and the children of God. If you don't belong to God's camp, I already know where you belong. There are only two camps. So we got to make sure we go to the camp of God today. Amen? Close your eyes with me today. You know what's going on in your life. You know what you're doing. God forbid Jesus comes back today and you are not ready. What would you do? There's not going to be another redemption. It will be over. So today is the day to make that decision for God. You are here this morning because God wanted you to hear this message. Why? Because He loves you. And He's calling you to Himself. Sometimes we are too proud for our own good. We know what we're doing. We know it's wrong. But you don't need God's help. You see, Jesus came to help us. And if you put your hand up today and say, God, I need you to help me. I need you in my life. God will instantly come into your life and begin to do a work in your life. We will have fun out there. You will really be having fun. Because when Jesus comes into your heart, that load is lifted. And the freedom comes. So at the count of three, you know your life. And you know you need to make things right with God. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. You need to make it right because I want to pray with you this morning and God will hear our prayer. God will deliver to you that power that you need to live the life that is pleasing to Him and we will transform this church. We will transform this neighborhood. God will use us. All eyes closed today and be reverent to our God because Jesus is here with us today. And I beg you to be sincere with Him. Be sincere with him today. Forget who is sitting by you. Be sincere with him and say, God, I need you. Be bold before God today and do what is right before him. At the count of three, I need you to raise your hand. Maybe you know know Jesus, but you know things have gone wrong in the way you live. But you need to make things right today. Today is the day. The Bible says now is the day. Now is the accepted time. Thank God for this woman. She's so serious. She has her hand up even before... I said to do so. Thank you. God bless you, woman. God bless you. Bless your family. Thank you, sir. God bless you. How many of you? Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands up. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. We are going to be serious with God. Thank you. God bless you. May God grant you more grace. May God grant you more grace to live more for Him. 
Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. I thank you for the transforming power that's coming into their lives right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. These will be soldiers for Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pray with me. Everybody, say with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for every evil thing that I have done. From the day I was born till this very hour, I ask for forgiveness. Lord, write my name in your book of life. Transform my life today. Enable me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for these new family members. They came to the Lord Jesus today. And I know Jesus received them. Jesus received you. All you need to do now is, I want to know more about God. Amen? Come to the house of God. Let somebody teach you. Find a a small group to go to so you can converse and ask questions. And Pastor Angela and I, we are not very far. Uh, Come to my office. If you have questions, I'll sit with you. I'll talk with you. But I guarantee you, sometimes just those words will transform your life because they are the words of God. What I need you to do is that connection card. There's a part of that connection card that says, My decision today, my decision today, just let God and the angels and everybody know, I made my decision for Christ. That's a statement and put that in our offering. We're going to be receiving our offering quickly so we can go out and have fun. And uh, since Angela said a woman, a woman wants to, a woman should partake in the uh, eating of the watermelon, I volunteer my wife, no kidding. 